Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the third episode of the Eurohoops podcast, the Eurohoop pod. This is Adonis Trogilakis, and hello, Adigon Zahari. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Welcome to, back to the show, and uh, after round two of the Euroleague uh, regular season, where we had some uh, some some pretty fun games and some games that were not so fun, they were mostly defense dominant. Of course, the, the victory of uh, Jessica Moscow on the road against Anatoly FS stands out. 196 Adigoni and the reigning champions remain winless. Well, tough start to the season, but it's always like that, isn't it? When the season begins, uh, there's still work to be done. So let's still. not, you know, condemn any team yet. No, no, we certainly won't do that. The thing is that uh, Anatoly UFS has gotten us used to starting slow in the beginning. And then, you know, they are turning their machine on and we saw what happened last year when they got really things going. It's like they want to keep us on the very edge. Yeah, true, true, true. You know? uh, Ergin Ataman uh, likes uh, to keep us suspense. He likes to surprise us in the end. Anyway, uh, Adigoni, uh, very, very good games. Uh, the Olympiakos uh, round game was fun. The Panathinaikos Fenerbahce game. That was a, a good one. A thrilling, dramatic uh, finale. I mean, how often do you see two unsportsmanlike fouls deciding the game mm-hmm. in the last 10 <laughs> seconds? I mean, uh, from one hand, you know, the grit and intensity and refuse to lose uh, spirit of Panathinaikos and of the other, the suicide of Fenerbahce because, you know, in order to have this kind of omelette, <laughs> you, have break, you have to break both of these eggs. But uh, in my opinion, the biggest news of the week uh, wasn't uh, a result, it wasn't the win, it was the loss. It was the fact that uh, Zalgiris Kaunas fired coach Martin Siller two rounds into the Euroleague regular seasons. Thoughts on that? Was, that was pretty shocking news when it came out. And Right now, I'm still thinking, why would Jalgiris just fire Schiller so early in the season? First of all, we should say that there have been many changes in their roster this offseason. And on top of that, they lost Marius Grigonis, who was one of the very pillars of the 2020-21 season. So you have to keep that in mind. Also, you have one of the, the best, one of the best players in Europe, Gadigoni, one of the more best offensive players in Arguably, Europe. yes. Yeah. And you also have to keep in mind that Jalgiris has kind of an aging roster right now. Let's not, you know, let's face the truth. They have uh, Yankunas on the roster, they have Milaknis, they have Kalnietis. All of them are Jalgiris favorites and fan favorites, if you want to say that. But in the end, it's really, you know, sometimes this kind of experience doesn't really help the team balance in such a competitive uh, competition such as the EuroLeague. And on top of that, Jalgiris also has new additions like Josh Nebo. Um, they also had uh, Geoffrey Laverne injured. So that should also have been, you know, calculated before taking the decision to fire Martin Schiller. I mean, from what I've seen in round two, their game against Zenit, it's not like they gave it away straight away. They even came back. They really fought it. And 
it was really shocking and surprising, if you ask me. Uh, well, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that uh, the Zalgiris management obviously had something in mind uh, when making this decision. Uh, it wasn't just the fact that they began uh, the EuroLeague season with uh, two losses. It was the fact that their overall performances, that's also according to what general manager uh, Paulius Motiluna said, is that their overall performances, the level of these performances, uh, both pre-season, the Lithuanian League and the EuroLeague, of course, wasn't uh, convincing enough so they, they made this decision in order to possibly correct things they feel that they will correct things this way they hired Yuri Dobbs by the way uh, the Slovenian uh, coach and uh, a, Euro a European basketball great as player but the thing that they're going with Zalgir is, is the following first of all you mentioned the fact that they have uh, players that are let's face it they are they are old they are not just veterans, they are old at this point. Matas Kalinets, Paulus Jarkunas, and Arturas Milakis. They have players that competed in the EuroLeague for the first time in, in their career. You mentioned uh, Josh uh, Nebo and their other players as well. They have Emmanuel Mudai, who, Mudiai, excuse me, who is a player who, who has plenty of NBA experience and some pretty productive seasons in the NBA, but on the other hand, he is a EuroLeague rookie, and uh, EuroLeague rookies, no matter where they played before, no matter how well they played before, where uh, in the competition they played, even if that competition is the NBA, there's never a safe bet with EuroLeague uh, rookies. They take their time to adjust, they take uh, the time, you know, to, to learn about uh, the, the defenses of the EuroLeague, which is uh, a completely different animal. To whatever they right, have to for sure. It's a you know, it's a huge change to move from the NBA to the Euroleague. Imagine that for a player, and who is, you know, he has signed in a team that really needs reinforcement. So his role has even more weight on his own shoulders. Yeah, I mean, in a way, what I'm saying is that there are many, many, many mitigating uh, circumstances with Martin Siller mm -hmm. at this point. But uh, I guess uh, Zalgis decided to that uh, someone had to take uh, the blame and that they needed to change someone. And uh, they decided that uh, Martin Siller has to be gone. Uh, Zal uh, Adigoni, what I found uh, in a way... I won't say I'm music because uh, there's a coach uh, who's being fired right mm -hmm. now, but uh, it is pretty weird that there was a magazine released in uh, Lithuania that had the Siller family on the cover. Uh. And they were saying how much they like Kaunas and the life in Kaunas. And uh, that magazine was released, I think, the day that he was fired or the day after, something like that. That's pretty, Let's say this didn't crazy. age well. <laughs> yes, this didn't age uh, well uh, at all. Anyway, uh, Adigoni, Zalgiris, uh, the next game uh, is uh, against... I have to see the schedule because I lost it. There it is. Now, uh, Zalgiris uh, don't have uh, a really easy job uh, in the next game. They are playing uh, against Cervenas Vesda on the road and... Uh, Cervantes is obviously the favorite. So uh, I believe that it will take some time for them to bounce uh, back. And then in the next game, they are traveling to Greece to face Olympiakos. But they have some good history with Olympiakos, right? True. But, you know, um, 
when such firings happen so early in the season, it's kind of a, a blessing and a curse at the same time, because uh, once you completely change the balance in the team, which happens after you fire your head coach, it's like you undermine your own efforts, what you have been working on in the preseason. So I'm really interested to see how Stubbs will take over the, the team and what happens both in Belgrade and in Pireus next week. By the way, Yuri Stubbs' hiring was also received with a surprise. I'm also thinking about myself. I don't know. I don't know about you. How, how, did, you, how did you see this signing? And also, judging by reactions on social uh, media, I can say that uh, Zalgiris fans uh, didn't really react well to this hiring, but time will tell. I and... think they were, you know, Schiller also had some uh, negative comments when he first arrived in Konas. Uh, I guess his uh, presence last season convinced the fans at least. But, you know, everything happens for a reason, they say. Yeah, well, uh, Zalgiris uh, last season didn't uh, really do didn't really do well in EuroLeague. No, mean, no, it they, wasn't they their best year for sure. They, they didn't make uh, the playoffs, but uh, on the other hand, you know, many, many big teams didn't make the playoffs last year. It was a crazy EuroLeague season and uh, we have to remember that Zalgiris doesn't have, uh, even, even when they increase their, their budget, they don't have the budget and the, the strength to compete with the big powers of EuroLeague. But um, anyway, it is what it is right now. Martin Schiller is gone. As I said, I found it a bit surprising because uh, he, he doesn't really have uh, a quality material. I can't say that the roster of Zalgiris this season is a quality roster. They have some solid units. They have potentially a great unit. I'm thinking about Emmanuel Budiai, but this is True. really, really, really potentially... And it has uh, a lot of ifs uh, over it. I mean, if uh, Mudiay adjusts, if he plays well, if uh, the system of Zalkiris uh, works, then yeah, he can possibly torch your defenses. But this might take time. So, Adigoni, we promised uh, our, our fans and our, our listeners a very special guest for uh, the first uh, guest of the EuroHoopod, and uh, we have him, Kyle Hines. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you, thank you. I'm very honored to be uh, to be a guest of the pod, uh, the EuroHoops pod. I mean, it's uh, to be the, the first guest um, is definitely uh, very special. Yeah. Thank and, you for uh, joining us. We reserve this special position for you now, for all of you, for, for those that came from, I don't know, another planet. Carl uh, Heinz, the winningest American. <laughs> Let, let's do the necessary introductions because you never know. Carl Heinz, the winningest uh, American player ever in EuroLeague. The play, the American player with the most Final Four appearances ever in EuroLeague. Uh, EuroLeague titles with Olympiakos Piraeus. EuroLeague titles with Cesc Moscow. A, a dozen of domestic uh, league titles with uh, with Cesc with Olympiakos with. <laughs> with every single team he has ever played with. <laughs> and now uh, in his second season with uh, Olivia Milano. Speaking of which, Kyle, uh, let's begin with this one. 2-0 starting EuroLeague, not bad, right? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's been great. I mean, we've 
we accomplished something last year that we didn't do. We we got a home win at Cheska, um, versus Cheska, and then we got a we got a win uh, uh, this past week uh, in Bosconia. Um, you know, two two difficult teams. You know, Bosconia is a difficult place to play, um, and we were able to you know start the league off two zero. So I mean, hopefully we can uh, continue to uh, continue to get better and continue to you know continue to win. And you are sitting, and uh, what what I noticed so far, I mean, it's still it's still early to you know to jump to conclusions, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Once again, it's uh, the defense sets the tone for you, right? Yeah, I mean that that's definitely what we wanted to do. Um, I think that's one of you know Coach Messina's um, calling cards and something that he's been uh, you know stressing to the team a lot. Um, you know, one of the things that you can do, especially, you know, I guess you say in modern basketball, you can't necessarily depend on your shooting percentage. That's something he always says. You know, you can't depend on your shooting shooting percentage, you know, but you have to rely on your defense that is going to be there every night. So I think we're building uh, a great defensive foundation um, so far this uh, this early part of the season. So, Kyle, uh, new season, different season. Um, how do you feel? How different is it? And do you feel that the team is better? And how? Um, I mean, it's it's definitely a, a different season. I mean, it's almost, you know, even though I, I was here last season, the last season was almost, you know, completely different. It was almost an anomaly of, you know, of, of any season that, you know, anybody's had, you know, dealing with COVID and the pandemic and, you know, not playing with fans and, you know, dealing with all the different protocols. So this is almost like, even though it's my second season here, it's almost like, you know, feels like it's my first season because, you know, Milan is, is open, the city is open, you know, we have fans and it's a totally different experience. So um, I'm really enjoying it. Um, the team is, you know, I guess you could say the makeup of the team is different, um, you know, from last season. Um, you know, we were a little more uh, balanced, I think, in our, in our offensive attack. Um, we have, you know, Melly, we have, you know, Dino Marcello Glue, we have, you know, guys where we can, you know, throw the ball into the post um, and, and kind of create a, a, a different, a different uh, variety of scoring. Um, and then also we have, you know, a, a variety of different guards um, that we could throw in you. Obviously, everybody knows about Chacho and, and Malcolm Delaney and, and, and Sergio Rodriguez and Gigi Dutomi. But, you know, we have some newcomers like, you know, Devin Hall and, and Jerry and Grant and, and Troy Daniels that helps to kind of make us uh, uh, a little more um, um, a little more uh, balanced in our attack. You know, we Troy Daniels is an excellent shooter with NBA experience. I think Jerry and I think many people see what he could do last year in the Greek League. And, and Devin, you know, he's a, a tremendous, you know, uh, um, tremendous player um, that complements Siobhan and, and everybody else really well. So I think, uh, you know, so far we know is even though it's early, um, you know, I think we're, we're very optimistic about the season. Yeah, and speaking about the, the new season, I mean, uh, I'm really eager to see how all these new players will gel together because, uh, in a way, you play really well, but you haven't still gelled together. We haven't seen nothing too uh, close to what to the final picture of what Milan yeah. can be. Yeah. And uh, speaking of which, Definitely. Uh, last season, on one hand, uh, you you reached the final four. Uh, the, the club is the final four for the first time after 29 years, which was a pretty big success on its own, right? But on the other, you didn't win the EuroLeague and you lost the championship to Virtus with a sweep, which wasn't obviously the finale you were looking to have in the season. So what kind of yeah. feeling did the last season left overall and what kind of, of motivation do you have ahead of this one? 
Um, I mean, to be honest, it was a it was a bittersweet feeling, I guess you could say, um, because we accomplished so many things that the club hadn't accomplished in such a long time. You know, we we just by some normal victories, like we won in places and 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 that the club hasn't accomplished in such a long time, like winning in Maccabi, um, you know, winning back to back games in, in Istanbul and different things like that. Um, that, you know, that the club hadn't had an experience for a while. So to bring this club back to, um, you know, the, the EuroLeague uh, perennial, you know, power um, was exciting for all of us, you know, to, to reach the playoffs and it was something that they hadn't done for, um, you know, quite some time and to, like you said, get to the Final Four um, in, in, in almost, you know, a couple of decades was all, you know, big accomplishments um, for, our, for our team. Um, but like you said, I mean, we were, we were one shot away from getting the finals. Um, you know, K- Kevin Punter, KP had a wide open, wide open three that, um, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, if you would have told us that, you know, if we were one shot away or, or one possession away from, you know, getting to a yearly final four at the beginning of the season, I think everybody would have took those, uh, you know, took those chances. Um, and like you said, I mean, we weren't, were unable to finish, which is in Italy is, you know, maybe more important, you know, the, the Italian championship, um, you know, versus uh, versus Bologna. So that's what kind of made it a little bit bitter because, you know, we accomplished so much. It was such a great year. It was such a great feeling. Um, but it, it felt incomplete because uh, we weren't able to, um, you know, do and do our, our final task. And that was, you know, to, to, like you said, you know, get to get so close to, to a Euro League and not be able to raise the cup. Um, and, and like you said, get to an Italian championship and, and not be able to, to win. So I, I take it that the objective for the season remains the Italian championship as well as success in the EuroLeague. Um, and given that this may be your last season with Milano, do you approach it in any different way for that reason? Um, definitely. I mean, this is, this is you know, ultimately might be the, the last season of my career. I, I'm not sure. I mean, there's not too many you know, 35, 36-year-old wow. Americans. That's, you know, still, that's, still. That's, a, that's some big news in a way that you're bringing to us. And we hope, we hope that I mean, this won't happen, honestly. No, I mean, I, I, hope that it, I hope that it won't happen either. But, I mean, the reality fact is there's not too many, you know, 35, 36-year-old Americans, you know, still playing in EuroLeague. I mean, there's probably maybe a handful. So, Wait a minute, you know, man. Sorry, I'll, sorry, I'll Kyle. sorry, Kyle, but okay, you, you were an American player that did some things for the first time for an American player in Europe. Mm-hmm. So here's another thing that you can do as an American player for the first yeah. time ever in Europe. <laughs> Play until you're I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, we, we, I always joke all the time with, uh, we had, uh, you know, you, I think, you know, the fans in Greece, though, called Daryl Middleton. I always joke with him. I mean, he played until he was, I think, 45 or 46 years old. So, Indeed. you know, I would, I would love, he, he, he always says that his career was just getting started at 35. So, um, you know, I would, I would love the opportunity to continue to play, but at the same time, like I said, I, I'm preparing that, you know, you never know what can happen, you know, especially in the, the, the sports, the sports business. So, um, you know, it could possibly be my last season Milano. Hopefully it's not. I mean, but I'm just going to take it, um, you know, every day and, and enjoy it for, you know, as much as it possibly can. Um, make the most of this season, make the most every day and, and enjoy these moments. I think as you talk to any veteran player that's been, you know, playing this, you know, playing in EuroLeague or playing in any professional sports, um, you know, for 10 or 11 more years, I think the, the best thing that they want to do is just try to enjoy the moments and try to make the most of these moments because you never know when, you know, never know when, you know, it could possibly be your last or, or you never know when you never not, might not get these moments again. 
Um, so for me, that's the way I'm kind of taking approaches this season, you know, trying to, you know, stay motivated and, 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 you know, trying to win as many titles and win as championships as I possibly can, but at the same time, you know, enjoy the moment and enjoy, enjoy it for what it is every day. So, uh, Inevitably, I have to ask this. Uh, you are you are settled in Milano. Uh, your family is there. Uh, big club, obviously, a very a very nice city to live in. Uh, do you want to stay with Milano? I mean, of course. I mean, me me and uh you know me and Coach Messina have a great relationship. Um, you know, my family really enjoys Milano. We we would uh you know we enjoy you know uh you know the lifestyle here. We enjoy living here. Um, I enjoy my teammates. I enjoy the club so much. I mean, I enjoy the, the success that we have had. So, um, you know, if it was up to me, you know, of course, I would love to stay here, you know, as, as long as I possibly can. But, you know, we'll see see what happens at the end of the season. You know, hopefully of course, if, everything goes the way, I realize, if everything goes the way it's supposed to go, yeah. we'll see. I realize it's too early, but you gave me the assist in a way <laughs> by you saying that, you know, <laughs> talking about the future. Uh, this is this is uh, I have to say this. This is another part uh, of of your game, by the way, that I've seen that you developed over the years. You know your your passing. So what I wanted to ask you is, uh, you know, as as a veteran player, as a guy, uh, I won't say a guy, a, tip, a guy of your position because you are not the typical guy of your position. You are not the typical setter. You are really unique in that aspect. Uh, what are the things that uh, you? What are the skills that you honed over the years? Uh, in order, you know, to uh, to possibly overcome some uh, difficulties that you may have. Um, I mean, I think I think I've learned um, to to try to to understand the game more, to try to read the game more. Um, obviously, I'm not, you know, the the biggest or I mean, the tallest, you know, center, and 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 you know, I have. Uh, um, in that regards, I guess you could say those are kind of some of the challenges, you know, for me. Um, you know, playing against, you know, taller players, because like I said, I'm not the, the tallest, the tallest player, but um, I try to use the, the physical gifts that I have, you know, my strength, my quickness, you know, my leaping ability, um, you know, to kind of subside those. And then since I've gotten older, I'm trying to use, you know, the, the basketball IQ to be able to read the game and understand the game, which I think is the, the most important part in Europe. And for me, I've been fortunate enough that I've been going to you know I've graduated from you know playing with and with some of the greatest basketball players in, in EuroLeague history and and being able to study and be coached by some of the greatest coaches in, in EuroLeague history so um, for me I've, I've, I think I've graduated with uh, almost a master or a doctorate uh, you know <laughs> in in basketball because you know just by learning you know so much from you know Messina, Coach Atutis, you know Coach Ikovic, uh Um, you know, Coach Fleming, Coach Barjokas, and, you know, being able to be around like, you know, Spinulis and Nando DiColo and um, George Brindisi's and, you know, Tia Dosic and Rodriguez, and I can go on and on um, with all the players. So I think, you know, these are players that helped me, um, you know, get to the point that I am today where, you know, I'm able to, you know, understand and read the game, read the game better. And I think that's allowed me to continue to uh, expand my game as I, as I've gotten older. And let's not forget that you've kind of made undersized trend in Europe in the last decade or so. So that was, uh, you know, I, I it mean, brought a I, change. I, I, I've been I've been fortunate that basketball has kind of shifted, I guess, you get a little bit or, or evolved. I guess is a better word. Um, where you know basketballs kind of become you know not only maybe in Europe it was kind of the first where basketball was more positionless. 
and um, you know they started to do more on switching defenses and um, relying more on you know centers that are you know kind of the pocket pass or the short roll or you know the diving the diving uh you know diving and uh and glide guys I guess you can call it diving fly guys so um I've been able to you know be able to be a part of this evolution um and I, like I said I mean I'm really thankful that you know that basketball's kind of you know made the made the adjustment and I've been able to adjust with it um because maybe you know maybe 25 30 years ago if I was to come around I don't know if I would you know have the same opportunity um you know to to be able to be on this on this stage um, as before, but like I said, I mean, I'm thankful for guys like, you know, Mike Batiste and, you know, those type of guys, because, I mean, I don't know if I would have been brought to Olympiacos if it wasn't for, you know, the success that Mike Batiste had, you know, I think Ikovic, um, well, you know, was it, it, looking since, for somebody. Since you mentioned it, it wasn't just, you know, the success yeah. of Mike Batiste, it was the fact that there had to be a player that would match up better. Exactly, exactly, so. Specifically right. in the case exactly. of Olympiacos. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That 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 I mean that that was that was the what I think at the time what you know Coach Ikovich was was probably looking for. I don't want to you know speak for him, but I think you know with Batiste and having all the success that he was having, um, I think that you know he was looking for somebody that you know match him. And and, and like I said, I mean I was fortunate enough to I look at you know Mike as you know as a basketball you know kind of role model because he's you know kind of set paved the way for somebody that wasn't necessarily a center um, when he began. I think he was more like a, a small forward and, you know, in uh, in O'Bradovich tournament five. So I guess you could say he was kind of like the beginning, you know, of this hybrid, you know, center kind of evolution. And like I said, because of the success he had, it's allowed me and, you know, other guys like Brian Dunstan and Othello Hunter, Joey Dorsey, you know, all these different guys to to have success and to come here and, and play well in, in your league. Right. So now let's move to the EuroLeague Players Association that you, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you're the first vice president and mm-hmm. in its short presence so far, it has achieved many, many great things for the players and the negotiations between players and EuroLeague. So I wanted to ask, what is your vision for the union and how would you evaluate the impact it's had so far? Um, I mean, to answer your second question first, I mean, I think it's, the impact has been great. I mean, I think you can kind of see it, um, you know, on obviously things on the basketball court with, you know, taking care of uh, players' uh, health and safety, like, you know, removing the stickers and, you know, doing different things and protocols with those, those uh, you know, those uh, factors, you know, with the off the court stuff, you know, uh, you know, passing the, the the EFA agreement, which is you know, um, essentially the first you know ever Euro League and the Euro League players, um, and then also, I mean, navigating you know all the things that happened with uh, with COVID and the pandemic, um, you know, passing on information and making sure that that players uh, were well aware of what was going on and, you know, trying to, you know, um, you know, make sure uh, players was in the, the best possible position, um, you know, possible during this, uh, during this pandemic. So, I mean, there's been a lot of different things, but I mean, I think if, you know, three years ago, I don't know if any of us would have thought that, you know, we would be able to be as successful, you know, as we've been. Um, and I think, you know, the future is very bright, you know, for the players association. I think, um, you know, for me, you know, as kind of an elder, you know, player, um, you know, in this game, um, you know, I just want to, you know, help, you know, help the game. Um, and I mean, you know, not only from the player's perspective, but the European basketball professional game in general, um, become a better place. 
you know, help it, you know, evolve and, and help it, you know, reach, uh, you know, heights and levels that we all, you know, would love to, love to see it, see it get to. So I think the Players Association has done a great job of, you know, laying that foundation and, uh, you know, help putting the players in, in better positions that they can be uh, successful in the future. So as you mentioned, um, the LPA has really helped facilitate many needs of the players. And I assume that when you got started in Europe and the EuroLeague, uh, it would have been much, much easier to have a union behind you and the rest of the players to advocate for you. And I wanted to ask, from your experience, you've played nearly all around Europe. You've played in the second division <laughs> of Italy. You've played mm -hmm. with Bros at Bamberg. You've played with Olympiacos, Cesaka, and now Milan. Um, as a player, could you name uh, five necessities or facilities that you want or you think are required for a player uh, when visiting an opposing court or during, uh, you know, practicing or playing in his own court? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the number one thing I think is uh, just overall player health and safety. Um, I think, you know, you want to make sure that there's protocols and, and balances and, and, and checks in place to make sure that players are safe. Um, you know, because, you know, we at the end of the day, um, we all want to see the best players, you know, play. We, we don't want to see, you know, players being injured or, or players not being able to play. So um, I think that's the number one thing, um, you know, and I, like I said, that could be something as small as like, you know, making sure players are getting the proper rest, um, you know, after games, making sure that players are getting, you know, adequate meals um, after games or, you know, traveling the right way. Um, or, you know, stickers or making sure, like I said, players have the, you know, proper days off and are not, you know, getting, you know, getting uh, killed, you know, with, you know, four or five, six hours of practices a day or something like that. So I think that's number one. Um, number two, uh, I would say is uh, this, the, the unification of the players, I think is, is very important. Um, I think just the players allowing themselves to have a voice in the, decision-making or the decisions that are made for the players. Um, Cause I think I said a lot of times before in the past, um, you know, decisions were made for players where players didn't necessarily were able to lend their opinions. So I think that is, uh, I think that's very important. Um, I would say uh, three and four, um, three and four I think was uh, just the security. Um, I think players want to know that they have security. Um, I think everybody's heard the the the, the stories of, of of the horror stories of European basketball players not getting paid on time, or you know, uh, you know, not having the ability to you know deal with fines or something like that. So I think you know, European basketball, Euroleague basketball, is such a beautiful thing. Um, so I think you know, players just want to have the security to know that once they come over here, um, you know, that they're they're able to you know make sure they get paid on time, make sure they have you know all the things that's going to make sure that they're able to play um, their best. Um, and then lastly, uh, I think is just the, the communication. I think the communication with the, with the EuroLeague and the league and the coaches and the players and the agents, I think, you know, I think players just, just want to have that. And I think that's very important, um, to be able to, you know, understand the information, understand everything that is going on within the league, because like I said, I think at the end of the day, everybody, um, wants the same thing. They want to see the league, you know, be the best. Uh, the best version of itself.
You know, uh, it's uh, it's very important what you put on these things, especially the part about the the players' security and safety and being safeguarded against the horror stories, uh, as you said, because nothing, yeah, nothing like nothing, uh, nothing of this was a given before the creation uh, of Elpa. I mean, there were so many problems. There were so many, you know, players being gold money, players uh, that didn't know where the next salary should come. And you know, uh, on one hand, there were there were some big clubs that uh, okay, they have some strict rules on the matter, the pay on time, and everything is fine. But it wasn't like that overall. It wasn't uh, this. It wasn't the the standard. It, it wasn't like yeah. that. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I mean I think you I think you said the right word, standard. I think that like that should be the standard. And I think that's the the main focus of of Alpha is to help to raise the standard. Um, it shouldn't be that, you know, if, you, if you're, you know, playing for one club over here, you know, you know for sure that you're going to get paid on time or you know that you're going to have all these, these, these uh, you know, standards of, of, uh, of playing, you know, all these different things. And if you go to another club, um, it's totally different. Um, so, you know, I think for us, you know, we want to try to make it where it's like, you know, it's, it's uniform standards across the whole entire league so that, you know, all the clubs and all the teams and all the fans have to worry about is just, you know, Playing basketball and 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 then everything else is you know these are these are afterthoughts. You know what you know what the I think that bugged me over the years that I was watching it from social media. I I don't know if you if you if you pay attention to the social media as much as I do. I doubt it because <laughs> my job forces me in a way to pay attention to social media. Is the fact that uh, you know when a player was uh, making a tweet or an Instagram post about, uh, you know, about his team owing him money. And there have been so many cases uh, in uh, Europe about this thing. Uh, there were comments underneath from fans uh, that were saying, oh, you are a basketball player and you are, and you are whining about, you know, some, uh, some thousands oh. of dollars. You are paid millions, you are paid millions. Yeah. And, uh, you know, most yeah. people, and this is what I'd like to, to clarify and to explain to those who are worried. Many people don't realize uh, how much uh, an, an American player, especially an American player, uh, why he might need to be paid on time. How many people is he taking care of? Uh, how many, what does he do for the family? How many family me members he's providing for? Many people don't yeah. realize that. Many people don't realize how even for a well-paid player, it's so crucial, it's of vital importance sometimes to be paid on time. Yeah, I mean, not, I mean, not only not only American players, but all players. I mean, yes. I mean, you can look I, at I'm, you can I'm, look I'm, at. I'm you thinking know. about American players because I know specific cases yeah. about players who are basically uh, sub, they're supporting. Uh, I don't know a dozen family members. There are so many cases. Like yeah, that. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, you. I mean, you're supporting family members. You're supporting, you know, friends. You're supporting communities. Um, you're supporting yourself. You, yeah, you're supporting, you're supporting yourself, communities. You're supporting. You're putting yourself. So I mean, I think you know, I think that's 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 a, a, a great point. You know that that you know that players. Um, I mean, the, at the end of the day, if, if teams expect players to be as professional as possible and show up every day and um, you know give forth their their best effort, um, you know they deserve to be compensated on time. This is just the the common, I guess, common wall or common you know common sense you know if any if, if anybody is you know if you're if you're supposed to do a task you know you're supposed to you feel like you should be compensated you know fairly or compensated on time 
you know, whether or not you're doing, you know, um, you know, a normal job, if you were, you know, you work in an office um, or if you're, you know, a basketball player or, or a footballer or anything like that or an athlete. So I think, you know, I think that's all, you know, guys really want, because like you said, I mean, there's, there's, it's not just about, you know, guys, you know, wanting to, you know, get dollars or thousands of dollars so they can buy, you know, cars, apartments and all this other stuff. Um, you know, guys are, you know, have, you know, people and, 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 and uh, lives and different things, family members, you know, that they kids that they have to take care of. So, um, you know, for them, you know, to, to not get paid, you know, that's, they look at it as like, you know, possibly, you know, you know, taking, you know, taking away from them, helping to provide, you know, and help them provide, you know, from their family or their community. So. That's you know, it's a, Anthony, yeah, sorry to interrupt. Go, go, yeah. uh, it's a job like every job, actually. So exactly. and it's a two way relationship. If you want to have the optimal result from a player, you have, you know, to compensate and actually provide for them. Exactly. I mean, exactly. And I, and I think this is, I think this should be the, the standard. Like it shouldn't be, if you talk to some guys in, in other athletes in other sports, or you talk to some guys in the NBA, just, just for hypotheticals, they would be like, not get paid on time. Like, what do you mean not get paid on time? Like that's, that's mm -hmm. what you're supposed to do or, or I mean, anywhere else. So, I mean, like I said, I think, you know, for, for that, to be still having this conversation or still be talking about these different things are, like you said, there's a reason why, you know, um, Elpa and a reason why, um, you know, one is a need for it. But I think the clubs, um, you know, want to fix this problem. I know EuroLeague wants to fix this problem. And, you know, I think once these issues are solved, um, I think, you know, the game will be better for it because like you said, I mean, at the end of the day, these weren't necessarily going to be questions, you know, it won't be, it, it won't stop, you know, some of the best players or um, other players, you know, from especially foreign players to coming over to play um, in Europe or EuroLeague because they won't have that fear of, you know, not necessarily getting paid or the security to have necessarily work, worry about that. And uh, <laughs> there has to be a healthy environment overall. Anyway, to, to put the conversation once again, uh, to strictly basketball matters uh, yeah. as we are approaching the final stretch of our talk. You mentioned uh, Vasilis Panoulis uh, before us. Uh, we, all, we all know uh, Vispan, uh, you know, decided to hang his shoes. He was, he was forced in a way to hang his shoes because he suffered an injury. I don't know. The plan would likely be to play mm -hmm. another season with Olympiacos. So uh, Vasilis Panoulis was your partner in crime for two years at uh, Olympiacos. Yeah. with extremely successful results. We all know them, everyone knows mm -hmm. about them. Uh, do you remember any, any, specific, uh, any specific story, anything that, uh, that, still, uh, that you still hold in your mind, that you still remember with Spanuli, something, you know, something that uh, not, uh, ne not, not necessarily an advice that he gave you or something that happened on court, something that you noticed about Spanulis and, uh, you know, it stays with you? Um, what, what I noticed about him was, um, which I think is the reason why he was such a great player, um, is his, his, his routine and his habits. Um, I will always, when I was there my two years, I was a young player. I was maybe 25, 24, 25 at the time. And when, what I noticed was his habits. You know, he had the same routine, the same things that he did week by week, day by day, um, you know, where, where I, I noticed and I, I kind of took those things and some of the things that he was doing 
to, you know, to, to make myself. I realized that, you know, that in order for him to, you know, to reach the greatness and be the player that he had, he had to establish these habits and had to establish these routines um, continuously. So I think for me, um, that was, you know, the biggest takeaway that I learned from him is like, you know, all the things that, you know, all the things that made him great. There was a reason why he was so great. You know, all the stuff that he did behind the scenes, whether or not that was like, you know, him, you know, um, he would play on a Thursday. I think it was like every Tuesday morning, you know, he was in the gym getting up, you know, 200, 300 makes um, or, you know, after games, you know, you know, running on the treadmill or, you know, doing different things and so many different things he was did, you know, taking care of his body, eating, you know, eating the right things and, you know, all those different type of things, you know, I noticed and, you know, I kind of, you know, in my own way, try to, to implement those. And, and then also his, his love of basketball. Like I remember, you know, going to his house and, you know, he's up at two o'clock in the morning watching NBA games, you know, not even like great NBA games. It would be like, you know, the, the Grizzlies versus the Pacers or something like that. And he's watching it at three o'clock in the morning. Like, you know, just watch, just watching games. Like he's like, he's, he's, uh, he loves basketball. Like he, that's like his passion. And I mean, it, I think me knowing him, I thought that like he would never retire. I thought he would be, you know, play for the next, you know, five years and play as long as he possibly can. So, um, but I'm happy for him. You know, I'm happy, you know, that I was able to, you know, learn from him and able to be, um, you know, a part of his, of his story career. Um, and I'm sure that he's, you know, enjoying retirement, even though I know it's still, it can't be easy for him, you know, especially during these moments. And even when he was at the game the other day, watching Olympiacos, I'm sure it wasn't easy for him, um, you know, to be there. Cause I mean, knowing him, I know that he, he loves being on the court, but um, I'm sure he's enjoying the time with his family and with his kids and his wife and everything like that. So um, he's always going to be a special person to me, you know, somebody I call my brother. Um, and like I said, at the end of the day, I'm just happy, you know, happy that he's able to enjoy, um, you know, enjoy his moments, enjoy retirement now. You know, Vasen uh, Spanulis gave an interview and he said that he seriously, he's seriously considering uh, the coaching, becoming a coach. <laughs> do you see him becoming a, becoming a head coach? How do you see him as head coach? I, I, I will. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's 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 intense. So I mean, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think he looks at the the successes like Saras is having. Um, you know, him and Saras were on one teammates, but I think that you know Billy is one of the most brilliant basketball minds. Um, you know that this this generation um, has ever seen. So. Um, you know, for him, you know, to be a coach, I would think it would be great for him to to lend his expertise and, you know, to give, you know, um, his knowledge to, you know, to the next generation of players, I think would be great. Um, but I think Billy is going to be successful in whatever he does, because he has that that mentality, that drive, that passion for that. If he was going to be a guard or if he was going to be, uh, uh, you know, a, a businessman, a banker or whatever, he was going to he's going to be the best at it because me knowing him, knowing his, his mentality, um, that's just who he is. That's just who Vasilis Spinoza is. All right. So as we are, are approaching the end of this podcast, um, you have also took up podcasting last year. Yeah. Um, are there any plans? Hello. To... <laughs> he's, been, he has, he's taking our job, actually. <laughs> uh, are... <laughs> Well, uh, first of all, should I ask if there are any plans to continue this season just to, you know, to compensate the competition? <laughs> yeah, um, uh, we're, we're, we're continuing this, uh, the, the second season. 
Um, we're uh, putting putting together some uh, some some interviews with different players, but um, I just it's great. I mean, I think it's for me, it's an opportunity to get to know um, you know some of the players I respect the most. Um, to get get opportunity to have great conversations with them. I mean, I'm sure as as, as you both know. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of basketball and as, as both of you are. So I just love enjoying just having conversations with guys and, and, and getting the opportunity to, to know them better um, on a different level than, you know, they're competing against them every day. So um, I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. Um, could you give us any hints for, you know, your upcoming guests or, you know, a figure that you would like to chat with on the podcast? Uh, so the, the first two guests, I would say I'm not going to give give the names, it could be a little bit suspenseful, but the first two guests are probably the the two, the last two, uh, I think the last two reigning scoring champions of EuroLeague okay. are my first two guests. You basically said it, okay. Yeah, so, I, yeah, so but I mean, I'll, I'll allow, allow people to, to do, yeah, allow, allow people to Google search and, and do your research. But, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, those, those would be my first two guests. Both both were really, uh, really great guys. And, um, you know, both won new, I guess you'd say new paths with new teams, uh, you know, this upcoming year. So it's exciting to to uh, to talk to them. And then look, I'm looking forward. We have a, a bunch of, you know, a couple other people that we're uh, that we're that we're scheduled to talk to. Um, I think, you know, some retired players, uh, a couple coaches, you know, some some female athletes, I think it's going to be great. So, but, uh, I mean, it's, 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 I'm, like I said, I did, for me, it's more or less just having a conversation with these people that I respect the most and, and trying to get the fans a different side of perspective, you know, of them, like, you know, we talk about basketball, but we also talk about, you know, a lot of the things they're doing off the court. You know, we talk about, you know, their, their, their hobbies, their business endeavors, or if they, you know, social things that like, some things that interest them, you know, whether or not it's like social issues or political issues or stuff like that. So um, we try to, you know, we try to mix it up a little bit and try to, you know, do something interesting for, for everybody, but I really enjoy it. And uh, to close this podcast, uh, I'd like you to tell us your, your dream guest. And uh, it doesn't have to be someone, a basketball figure. It can be anyone. Whew. Uh, whew, man, that is... Uh... Kyle Hines is at loss uh... of words. <laughs> yeah. This is unbelievable. That's yeah, a first. <laughs> yeah, there's man, there's 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 literally uh there's literally so many people. Um I would say first my my dream guest would be I, I will give you two. I'll give you uh European and, and uh, American. Um my first dream guest would be uh Arvita Sabonis. Um wow. European I, I would love to yeah I, w- I would love to I mean because he's 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 experienced so much um so I would love to you know both on the court and off the court I would love to just kind of sit down and talk to him and and learn learn from him and just kind of you know learn so many stories because like I said I mean he's experienced so much you know basketball um and then off and in an America American that I would love to talk to is uh Kareem Abdul-Jabbar um, I mean, he's an intelligent, such a um, well-respected figure. Um, I would love to, you know, talk to him and just kind of, you know, get his perspective because, I mean, he's always so wise and different things that he says. So I would love to have a conversation with him. So I think those two, you know, both both centers, um, but I would love to, you know, both talk to them and kind of, you know, you know, get a chance to speak with them. Uh, I hope when you talk about Karima Abdul-Zabar, you would uh, reserve a special uh, question about his his airplane cameo, <laughs> his pilot. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and, and his defense. Sure. He improved his defense from uh, this point. 
Anyway, uh, Kyle sure, Hines. For sure. For sure. <laughs> uh, Kyle Hines, thank you so much for this. It was amazing as always. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for thank this you. illuminating as always uh, conversation, as every conversation is uh, with you. You are having a game uh, today thank from you. the league against Varese on the road. In a couple yep. of hours, actually, but Varese is not far from Milano, so it's all good. No, and, yeah, it's uh, not far. It's not far. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you have the double, the double game uh, Euroleague week uh, ahead of you, of course. Uh, some really, really strong games from Milano. You play, uh, you host Maccabi Tel Aviv, and then uh, you you also uh, host Anadolu FS. So at least at least you don't travel next yep. week, right? So that's that's always good <laughs> no, news for it. you. Yeah, my 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 wife is very happy about that. She's happy that I'm have me around <laughs> best for, the, week, for this week. So <laughs> best week ever, Kai. Yeah. Best week ever. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Kyle Hines, thank you. Farewell. Thank you. And uh, we'll uh, we'll catch you on, in an arena or in another show. Thank you very much. Farewell, Kai. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So that was uh, Kyle Hines, uh, everyone. We hope you enjoyed the conversation at least, at least as much as we uh, as we did. And uh, you know, stay in touch, uh, keep in touch with you, the hero, the hero pod, because we'll also have another interesting guest in the next episode of the podcast. That's it for uh, the episode three of the Euro podcast, the Euro pod Adigoni. Where Thank you guys so much. Uh, find us where they can find us. First of all, you can always find us on Spotify. You can hit follow to stay updated with new episodes. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and we're now on Apple Podcasts as well. Or you can visit anchor.fm and pick the streaming platform of your choice. And you can stay in touch with eurohoops.net and our social media to see when we publish a new episode. Perfect. So that's a wrap for uh, this episode, uh, folks, uh, from Adonis Togilakis and your school. Thank you and uh, see you next week. Uh, stay tuned for a new episode of the Eurohoop Pod with uh, another really, really, really interesting guest, hopefully. Farewell, everyone. Bye, guys.